Fast Money starts right now. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, I'm Melissa Lee. Our traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Steve Grosso, and Guy Dami. Tonight on Fast, it is a crypto comeback after a wild week with Ethereum, today's big winner. But one top lawyer on Wall Street says a crypto crackdown is coming. He'll explain what it could mean for the space. Plus, it's a streaming showdown. Disney and Netflix both soaring on upgrades. But which stock will be the big streaming winner? The traders play the ultimate game of would you rather. And later, Apple's apology tour continues after iPhone fans were outraged. The smartphone maker was slowing down old devices. We'll tell you what they're doing to win back favor and what it means for the stock. But first, we start off with stocks rallying to kick off the new year. The NASDAQ and S&P 500 both closing at record highs with the NASDAQ closing above 7K for the first time ever. And it does feel a bit like 2017 when tech crushed the competition, soaring 37%. So, what do you do in this new year? Do you stick with what was working, namely technology? Guy. I think you do, Mel, and Happy New Year. I think you absolutely stay the course. Nothing's really changed. I mean, a lot of people will want to try to play the laggards and figure out they're going to catch up in 2018. But stay with what works and what has worked. Dan Nathan's been on this. Intel, big move to the upside. Valuation is reasonable. Micron had that huge move from basically the low 30s up to $50, retraced back to 40 had a decent day today. Valuation of Micron makes sense. DRAM pricing is still very strong, in my opinion. What doesn't necessarily work? Names have maybe gotten a little ahead of themselves. Steve and I just discussed Texas Instruments. Great story. They're in great places. But now at 24 times forward earnings, I think it's gotten a little expensive. So technology works. Just be aware of what you're buying before you dive in feet first. Bang had a great day today. Biotech had a great day today. Where do you go in 2018? Yeah, I think you have to stay with tech. If you look at the five-year performance, the, uh, the technology companies, the large-cap tech, have really outperformed the rest, the rest of the groups, the rest of the sectors. You stay with tech. You buy consumer discretionary. You buy financials. They were the second-best performer in five years, financials. Regulation. Not, not seeing any new regulation. Yes, the yield curve is, a, is problematic for the financials, but I think if you want growth, you stay with technology companies, Apple, Alibaba, uh, Stab, that's the Chinese tech companies, right? That's right. Fang and Stab. Stay with those. So, so you mentioned the yield curve, and let's look at, what the, at the dollar, too, right? Those are both tailwinds for tech here. So you had the U.S. dollar coming off. I know Tim's probably going to talk about the good news we had out of Europe and the good economic news there. That contributed to a weaker dollar, stronger euro today. That's good for big cap tech since they get a lot of their earnings from overseas. And then a, a flatter yield curve. Again, if you're looking for growth, you're going to go to something like a Google. And that's, that, to me, would be my bet at this point in time. You get right back into Google. Do you remember about a year ago, Tim, when it was yeah. the beginning of 2017, we were just kicking off a new trading year then, and we were saying that be, to be in technology because it's idiosyncratic <clears throat> growth in a time when there was not real strong global synchronized right. growth. And here we are. Right, it yeah. was a defensive play. Here we are. We're in a period of global synchronized growth, and we're still saying be with technology. Yeah, I mean, first time since the crisis, we've got 45 countries in the OECD that are actually growing. Um, and if you saw, as Brian referred to me talking about it, so now I have to talk about it. Yeah. But I mean, again, the data, the, the PMIs around the world were unbelievable. The, the European PMI was at the cycle highs. German PMI was, at, you know, the, the export orders were highest in 22 years. I mean, the numbers are staggering. So if you think about the synchronized global growth, you think about the resources trade. I mean, these guys have all talked about really interesting things. And, and I, but the resource trade, to me, is now really coming into its own. We've talked in the last couple of weeks about how ag has lagged. Um, I think the parts of the trade that also are very interesting include cement. Uh, some of the some of the industrial metals and, and steel for all the talk of steel to this point you really have had a, a phenomenal crescendo of good news including Department of Commerce pushing back on China who is dumping steel to Vietnam and then bring it back over here you have a lot more demand coming out of China actually for 
uh, hard, hard uh, HRC, billets. And so you're seeing prices in steel go higher. And I think that's really what the sector needed. But here's the ultimate would you rather. I love this game. And, and, and acknowledging, the fact, the acknowledging the fact that you don't have to choose between them and you can actually be in both. But mm. materials or technology here. Guy. Wouldn't you rather materials yes. of technology? So she doesn't right. want you to say you can choose. Yeah. Both. She wants you to choose. Well, I'm going to choose. But I want you to. Because would you rather? But in so a portfolio, you can have you can have a weighting in both. Okay. Materials. But still. And materials. Good for oh, Tim. I, mean, he, okay. I think he power pitch. Is that what we call that thing? Yes. No. Huh. Yeah. Fast pitch. Fast. Yeah. Well, he did that yeah, too. But he, too. he power yeah. pitched U.S. Steel when I think it was a $22 stock. I think it closed around $38 today. Huge move. Is there still upside? Yeah. I mean, these are very levered names. Freeport, Ma- Freeport, MacMoran. A couple weeks ago, on a day the copper got obliterated, FCX was higher. It's gone higher ever since. So, if you're asking me, would you rather technology materials, materials? Which I just did. Yeah. Well, that's why I repeat. Same it. question to you. I'm, I'm going to go with what has performed. I can see a world where materials perform, but and you they, want to stick with tech. But I want to stick with tech. Huh. How about you? Okay. I will count on both. No. Oh, no. Oh, oh, that's not oh, the way it goes. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, materials, I think. Only because I feel like that's a trade that's just starting to gain steam and tech has been going for quite a, quite a long time. So if I'm looking for a place that people are going to start putting new money to work, potentially it could be materials. The other thing about materials is, is you saw you know, the, the 10-year pushed back a little bit today. We're at 246, 7. Um, but the Bund has now rallied 16 basis points over the last four sessions, which is a significant move across Europe. We've only begun to fight yet a major member of the ECB pointing out that they actually could maybe not even extend their bond buying at the end of the year. We walk in today, and even though they announced this back in October, they cut their purchases in half. People don't realize that European bond yields are going higher, and when they go higher, they're going to bring bond yields higher here. But ultimately, this is great for resources. You want to see this type of reflation and inflation in the commodity space, and it's another reason why I think this trade outperforms. If you like materials, then should you like industrials? And I say this because General Electric... One one day doesn't make a, yeah, a, a yeah. pattern, yeah. but it was up three percent today. It outperformed a lot of the Fang names today. You're gonna have a couple. <laughs> you're gonna have days when GE's up three percent, four percent. You also have days on bad tapes where it's down to commensurate at three or four sure, percent. I sure, think it's course. gonna languish somewhere between seventeen and nineteen for a while. Because quite frankly, the the problems that they've made of themselves over the last ten years do not get rectified in a quarter. So or two global quarters. synchronized growth, not, well, not enough to help for GE. GE. No, right. in my not opinion, not necessarily because GE had like I said has its own issues. But look at Caterpillar. Look at John Deere. We haven't even talked about infrastructure, which is probably something we're going to be arguing about fairly soon in the in 2018. Infrastructure coming here in the U.S. So Cat Tractor, big company, makes those big yellow tractors. That's the one you <laughs> want to be in there. Today, though, where, you, where obviously people are more focused on a reversion to the mean trade mm-hmm. today with tech and with uh, retail names. But it should be going forward. That's where you should see the names co- well, coming I, out and spiking high. But also this this global thing, you're, you're seeing it in shipping rates. Uh, Car- Karen wow. did a great job yeah, on Golar. I know you, you're, yeah. you're not as good looking. That's but absolutely nearly. Um, but she brought up Golar as a pitch on her fast pitch. And, and so shipping rates, both in terms of bulk and cape size shipping, are going a lot higher. Uh, and if you look at the MLP space and the energy space, infrastructure within the energy space is finally rallying now that oil prices have stabilized. That was a big move today, and that's also early in that but how trade. Co- but the, my only issue with the, with the oil, I, I want to buy energy. I want to mm-hmm. buy it in a bad way. The only problem is every time you see the overarching, the commodity, We've seen that gas rally 17%. So I could see where EMP companies that are reliant on the nat gas space can rally. 
Why can't these companies rally, though? That's my only push. Well, I think they have been rallying. And, and being scared to, to buy it now is probably appropriate because it's moved. I mean, we've had a massive move. So yeah, the stocks really haven't moved. The, well, the, I, I don't. The, you had a major breakout in the OIH. Has. You had a major breakout in, the, in, in Halliburton and Schlumberger. You started to see it in the MLPs. You've it's absolutely seen it in U.S. and It's I mean, not bad. Yeah, sure, I, I mean, sure but, but when I go back to the XLE over the last five years, is up 2%. So that's the hesitation where the, where the subsector, the stocks. But in, but in the last really, three months, it's up, right. it's up 8 but you could, have found, you could have found bargains in refiners. You could have found bargains other, other places. Large integrated names have not participated. All right. well, let's move on. Yeah, let's. <laughs> bring in, no, why don't, we can ask John about oil. Uh, bring in one of Wall Street's here. biggest 2018 bulls, John Solsvis, the chief investment strategist with Oppenheimer Asset Management. Welcome, John. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you as well. You say to stick with what's working. Yeah, stick what's working. You know, that we have to. They pay you the big bucks for you to come out and brand new year, brand new reports. They stick with what's working. Well, you know, the, the thing is, you also you have opportunity to tweak, of course, as we go forward. But right now, uh, our favorite sectors are, and I'm glad to hear what you all were talking about: materials, industrials, technology, consumer discretionary, and healthcare. That's five out of the eleven uh, uh, sectors of the S&P 500 we're rating right now outperform. Related to technology, we're slightly underweight tech because Why? it's about 23, 24% of the S&P 500 weighting. And we think that, that's a lot of exposure unless you're just dedicated to technology and it can, it, technology can be volatile. As we saw just with, with, the, with the, uh, the semis, uh, they were popular last year towards the end. They sold they a little bit of profit taking and now they're coming back up. Uh, we think it, it, there's other opportunities, and, and technology it, it, it is about a good 21, 22 percent weighting. So we're not terribly underweight. So what goes to the overweight? That, but well, the overweight's uh, industrials, materials, consumer discretionary. So it's just spread out amongst and, the rest, in other yes, words. Yes, it is. Okay. It is, and it, and they they link up nicely together because materials and industrials uh, can benefit from increases in technology. More tech you put in there, sensors and all kinds of equipment to make the stuff more, make the equipment more efficiently run, low cost. Similarly, consumer discretionary needs technology like MAD, whether they're doing bricks or mortar. Right. And, and then healthcare is a natural for that. So I, I'm at home, I'm not doing anything, or I'm just contributing more to, to what, I have, what I have. And when do I worry? When, when do I say, you know what, something out there has changed in this market, and I do need to start either taking profits or move to another sector? There, there's a variety of things. One is, one is the market has proven since uh, March 9th of 2009 that it's always looking for a catalyst that'll tell it where its next direction is. So. One thing that worries me is if we would have a decline, some catalyst that would warrant a four or five, six percent decline, the market participants might get scared, okay, because they've gotten so used to this. I mean, last year, if you remember, there'd be days that the S&P was off like eight-tenths of a percent, People and everybody said, we yeah. got a sell-off here. <laughs> there was no sell-off. It was down eight-tenths of a percent. I, I was working on uh, Wall Street when, uh, when October 19th, uh, uh, 1987 happened, so I remember the Dow dropping 23% in a day, and of course I lived through all the other stuff that happened since then, luckily. But, <laughs> but the thing is, uh, it, it would be a catalyst that would shake the market, uh, uh, any complacency that the market has in it. But the lucky thing is the fundamentals are good right now. As you all were saying, the fundamentals, U.S. economy is growing, international economies are growing. 
uh, and, and not at too rapid a pace. So the central banks might, for the first time in a long time, be able to pull this off with a normalization. It's not paradise. Trees don't grow to the sky. Valuations will be questioned. But there's rotation in this market that we've seen. And a lot of that's due to technology, inexpensive right. trading. It's just you can really move in this thing and, and just be prepared. Like we, like, we like financials, but right now the yield curve tells us it's just a market weight. John, good to see you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you all. Of Oppenheimer. What are you trading today? So, so it's interesting. I saw the home builders were actually weak today, and you would expected them to continue to be strong because what, what has worked should have worked today. They didn't. So I'm looking to maybe add to my home builders on a little bit of weakness if that persists. Yeah. Guy? We're going to talk about energy, but quickly, I mean, I sort of clearly the, the big cap integrated names have not exploded to the upside. But if you look at a name like Exxon, the move from 75 and a half, 76 to 85 has been a decent move for that size of a company. So although not, it's not a technology stock, with the beta that they have, I still think these big cap energy names that Tim's talked about for a long time still work here. Well, for me, going back to the tech sector, but a name that might have been a bit of a laggard last year, IBM. So I like what they're doing there. Obviously, they've got, a, you know, they've got big data. They're changing the company there. Traded off of 140 from last year, has held up that low. So I think going into at least the first quarter year, you want to be long IBM. It's a, a bold call. I mean, it's, and it's an interesting one. I, you know, t I was actually pretty active today. I added some Embraer, which, again, is this, uh, this Brazilian aircraft company that's got a, a big stake in the, in the regional jet market that I think has got a bit under it, but it's a big industrial name. It's very, very cheap. A bit under things of Boeing. Yeah, yeah because of yeah. Boeing. Um, and, and bought some Samex, bought some other resources, um, nibbled on, excuse me, sold a little bit more steel, which, I, you know, trees don't grow to the sky. As good as the news is here, uh, this has been a great trade. So, but, you know, still have half that position on. But it was a day to be active, I think, in some of this rotation, because, frankly, I think there's more to go. All right. We've got a news alert here on Southwest Airlines. Let's get to Phil LeBeau in Chicago for the latest. Phil. Melissa, Southwest joining the growing list of companies that are marking the passage of the new tax law by announcing bonuses plus reinvestments in the business. On the bonus side, the company will be awarding all of its employees a $1,000 bonus. Also, the company says it will be converting options for 40 Boeing 737 MAX 8 airplanes. They will be converting those options over the next couple of years into firm orders, also throwing in $5 million in charitable donations. So again, Southwest, like some other companies that we've heard about over the last week or so, saying, you know what? We are going to mark the passage of this law by making an investment in our employees and in our uh, you know, product on the air or in the, in the air. Melissa? All right, Phil, thanks. Phil LeBeau, Southwest Airlines really putting its money where its mouth is, I mean, in terms of tax reform and the benefit here. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, contrast that to some of the financials, like a Goldman Sachs, who said the tax reform's not going to be great for them. So you look at Southwest, right, and you, you have to start wondering, a $1,000 bonus to all these different things. When does that start to filter into the wages, right, into, into wage growth? And if you want to say, what's the one kind of thing that could derail this rally in 2018, you start to get that wage growth and you start to see inflation. I'm up. more excited about them converting... Uh, the plane options into firm orders. I mean, that is a real statement in terms of confidence in your own business. Yeah, and, and I think these guys have reason to, to have both that confidence and they're seeing the follow-through from it. Um, uh, I think Spirit Airlines looks very interesting here, again, on valuation relative to peers and the kind of growth and the efficiency. Um, airlines have really, like, they had a very turbulent, of, of all the sectors, they were one you probably could have traded the hardest in 2017. I think the fundamentals continue to rise at the top. 
coming up. Amazon coming off a huge year up nearly 60%, excuse me. But the e-commerce giant isn't showing any signs of slowing down. Could 2018 be an even bigger year for the stock? The traders will weigh in. Plus, move over Oprah. Weight Watchers got a new social media ambassador, DJ Khaled. Khaled, oh, I think. Who? Uh, huh? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, I'm yeah. very not cool, you know. all right? It could send the <laughs> stock mean. soaring, though. We will explain. And later, Bitcoin back to 15000 But is a crypto crackdown ahead? A top Wall Street lawyer explains what more regulations could mean for this space. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of both Disney and Netflix surging today. That kicks off our top trades. Macquarie upgrading the two media titans from neutral to a buy, uh, saying that both companies are well positioned to dominate the streaming world, touting Netflix's subscription model. Disney's direct-to-consumer effort shares of Netflix are up more than 60% in the past year, while Disney has only managed to jump about 6%. So here's another Would You Rather for 2018. Oh, I love this game. Netflix or Disney? Tim? Uh, definitely Disney. Um, but Jeff, I've, I've been an outspoken critic of Netflix, and this was back, this is now up in my face because I actually thought that chart was breaking down even if you look back to the last couple weeks of last year. But this upgrade uh, tells you what has happened to the sector. I think we've put a, another kind of floor underneath, especially those that have content. In Disney's case, again, I think people are able to start to see the future when they're able to control distribution. What multiple do you put on Disney? It's not 16. I, I think it's closer to 18. And, and therefore, I think 18, 19 times you can actually uh, be long the stock even after this move. You know, it's funny because the analyst, I was reading both notes and it, it seemed they both got upgraded to the same rating. But it seemed like the analyst is favoring Netflix because of the subscription model. And they were saying that even though Disney's going to have this OTT service, it's not for years away and it's not going to be a threat to Netflix. I, I don't think it's going to be a threat. I mean, I hear what he's saying with 18 in terms of Disney. I think yeah. 18 times forward earnings for Disney in the environment that they find themselves in is rich. And it would be twice some of its competitors, for example, Viacom. But they deserve a premium valuation. Netflix. Look, City just said there's a 40% chance that Apple buys Netflix. I don't know where they got 40% from, yeah, and I'm not sure you know Apple's what? shareholders would be thrilled about that. <laughs> but the fact that people are now talking about the potential for Netflix to get purchased from somebody is just going to add fuel to the fire. So if you're playing the game again, this is the third time. I well, wasn't, but go ahead. No, yeah. don't. You had to say that, right? Well, you, you, no one asked you, you to set up a game. You I just would decided. Netflix. Netflix, yeah. Netflix outperformed right. almost 10 to 1 Disney. So I, I think they both can go up, but I think <laughs> Netflix is definitely the beta chase in that in that space at least don't so, shake your head like that same no, old like, hijinks like on this like test in 2018 sick, nothing has changed nothing I mean. changed all right next up weight watchers jumping today the stock is up four uh, percent is now up 300 percent in the past year yes 300 percent this as the company signs signs on dj khaled khaled i think Khalid, yeah. how about? No. no <laughs> the social media ambassador, the, the hit making a music producer, is known as the king of Snapchat, raking in three to four million views per snap. He's got nearly four million followers on Twitter. He will share his progress as he completes the Weight Watchers freestyle program, which launched uh, just last month. BK? Yeah, so I mean, listen, three to four million followers or three to four million views when did on you the start snap following Khaled? Oh, early. Yeah, I, was I early mean, he was like, you're yeah. like, you know, 5,000. Well, so it was, you know what, actually, like it, was when, it was when him and Bieber were together, because J- Justin Bieber follows me, of course, and we're, you know, somewhat <laughs> buddies. Um, so it was when him and Bieber collaborated last year, last year on Grateful, the album that dropped in, I think it was February 2017. So anyway, back to Weight Watchers. I'd be grateful if you stopped talking about that stuff. Look this guy's like eating, he's snapping yeah. it, you know. It's like, but not anymore. He's going to be on the freestyle program. That is the program. Oh, that's, that's it right that's there. That's the Weight Watchers. Yeah, he's, that looks he's delicious, totally... actually. 
Not bad for Weight Watchers. Yeah. He's just kind of surprised. What? I, 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 look, they didn't just they He's didn't just on a journey. Because, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, they chose him for He's the social media yeah. presence. It's a different demographic. I mean, guy's cool, too, but they're right? not calling him Younger, guy. male. So he lost a couple pounds over vacation. Did you lose a couple pounds? I did. Yeah, look at sure. that. Look right. My man, DJ, he, if he shaved that beard, he'd drop 10, 10 pounds. I mean, that thing is gnarly. The people living in that great. beard. I think Same. it looks fine. Listen, Weight Watchers, <laughs> I, listen, I get it, Oprah, the whole thing. It's not a, it's not a cheap stock. Right. And I get we're in Weight Watch. This is the sweet spot in terms of season yeah, New Year's for Weight Watchers. I get about to lose weight, look like Tim, steely blue eyes. <laughs> it ain't happening, folks. So I would say if you've enjoyed the move in Weight Watchers, I'd at least take some money off the table here. Well, and what's interesting, you look at seasonality over the last four or five years, by the end of January, Weight Watchers stock is lower. So really? you want to sell it. So when do you follow up the program, Brian? In the name as well, that can keep it, <laughs> that can keep it moving higher. They're definitely the elephant in the space. If you look at neutral elephant. systems. That's interesting. Pound for pound, they're the winner. Oh, here we go, oh, man. Pound for pound. It's a lot of opportunity. Deteriorating here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take it away. All right. Still ahead. Apple's apology tour continues with stock rallying, helping to push the Nasdaq to new record highs. We will tell you how the smartphone giant is making up for slowing down its old iPhones. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC First and Business Worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. World domination. Same old dream. And Amazon shareholders think the company could be about to do something to get them one step closer. We'll tell you what has investors so excited. Plus... That's what one top securities lawyer says regulators are about to do to the crypto trade. He'll be here to explain just how bad it could get. Much more Fast Money right after the break. Welcome back to Fast Money. Bitcoin making a comeback after trading below $14,000 earlier today. This as its rivals are seemingly gaining ground on the cryptocurrency. Bob Pisani is at the NYSC with more. Hi, Bob. Hello, Melissa. After a brief slump during the holidays, Bitcoin is rebounding big time after starting up modestly today, about 4%. It took off on heavy volume about 1 p.m. Eastern time, up 12% on the day. Their Ethereum, its rival, was also strong early on, but it sold off about the same time Bitcoin took off. But Ethereum still ended the day up about 13%. What happened? Bitcoin took off right about the time The Wall Street Journal reported tech investor Peter Thiel had made a significant investment in Bitcoin through his founder fund. Now, the venture capital firm bought about $15 million to $20 million of Bitcoin. The Journal reported that after Bitcoin's surge in the last year, those holdings are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. It wasn't clear, though, whether the founders had sold any of its holdings. Bitcoin may still be king of the cryptocurrency hill, but the upstarts have made impressive gains in the past month. Look at this. Ripple and Ethereum are now almost one-third of the market capitalization of Bitcoin. And this may be the year for digital currencies from governments. Venezuela is reportedly launching their oil-backed cryptocurrency soon, maybe this week, backed by 5.3 billion barrels of oil worth $267 billion. That's what they say. Now, and Russia is also reportedly developing a crypto ruble, which may be useful in avoiding international sanctions. The theory here is that they may be able to settle accounts with counterparties all over the world and essentially avoid the sanctions. By the way, it's important to point out this is not really a cryptocurrency. This is just a ruble trading on a digital platform. Presumably, it would have a one-to-one -one relationship. Back to you, Melissa. All right. Thank you very much, Bob Pisani. 
Uh, Beeks, what do you make of all the developments here in terms of countries <laughs> developing their own so, cryptocurrency? Will you yeah, start working with Vladimir Putin? Right. I will not start working with Vladimir Putin. I have no plans to. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm skeptical of these country cryptocurrencies. There's not a lot of reason for them to exist. We are The currencies themselves, fiat currencies, are already digital. Right. The whole point of a cryptocurrency is that it's an alternative financial system. It's a new type of financial system. Um, so the idea and it's decentralized and nobody controls it. So the idea that a country is now going to issue it and control it, to me, kind of defeats the purpose. Plus, you know, Russia could just use Bitcoin to settle accounts. People do it all the time. You don't need to create your own. So I'm skeptical of that. Are you still in your uh, position of Ethereum? Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, to me, ultimately, you have a case here where you're seeing a broadening of the entire market. You have a case where I think people are looking to also have diversification and other exposure. Um, the reality is when you start hearing about, you know, Sweden's Riksbank is, is also thinking about having a, a digital corona. And you have a case where um, clearly the question about not, you know, the existential question has been answered as far as I'm concerned. Now it's really about finding the best top technology, the best usage. Um, and then you get into liquidity issues. So I think if, in the case of Ethereum, I still think liquidity needs to go higher institutionally, and therefore it's going to be the top four or five horses. All right. Well, it's not just cryptocurrencies that have been surging. More companies just keep getting in on the crypto craze. For example, Chanticleer Holdings soaring almost 50% today after announcing that it would be using blockchain technology for a loyalty program. Customers can essentially mine cryptocurrencies by eating at Chanticleer branded restaurants. It's a burger chain, by the way, and can use them for future meals. Our next guest says the company is getting in on crypto boom. Need to watch out. A big crackdown could be on the way. Jake Zemanski is a partner at Zemanski LLC and a top authority in securities arbitration law. Jake, great to have you with us. Thank you. Um, I knew it was going to be a matter of time before we had you on the show. What, there's a lot. There's a big difference between things that are actually in violation of securities laws and which and things that just don't smell right. 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 So, what is actually in violation of laws right now in your All right. view? Right. Right now, we're seeing the SEC going after initial coin offerings and claiming that they have to be registered as securities. That's a securities offering uh, that provides investor protection, disclosures, things like that. We're seeing manipulation, some wild swings in Bitcoin-related stocks. I'm also concerned that there's some pump and dump schemes going on out there. Uh, specifically in ICOs? Uh, not in ICO, Bitcoin-related okay. stocks. Such as, like, the one... There was we talked about here on this Yeah, show. crypto. Are there specific targets right now that you're looking at? Uh, I've been hearing from investors uh, who are in, getting pitched by brokers to get into some of these Bitcoin-related uh -huh. cases. Uh, there have been four class actions already filed. State regulators are looking at it. People are borrowing money on their houses, mortgages, to jump in on the Bitcoin uh, train. So uh, I am looking at some specific cases. The regulators are there. And there's a lot of uh, questions for, for investors. So I want to peel back the onion because there are a lot of ways that you can sort of go after these targets, for instance. The ICOs I get, that sounds like these are cases of fraud in large part right. from the SEC standpoint. In terms of these companies, is it wrong for a company to say, I'm going to call myself Melissa Blockchain instead of Melissa Pet Store? Um, yes, and, fire. And, right, right, exactly. Am I, is there fraud on my part, or is it the brokers who sell my stock who say, you know what, I know this great blockchain stock called Melissa Blockchain. Used to be a pet store, but now it's a blockchain stock. Where, where you know, what is your target? All right. What we're looking at are companies that are making false statements uh, in selling the stocks. One company was saying we're the fastest blockchain in the world. Uh, consulting companies that are going public, uh, reverse mergers into pet stores and things like that that you mentioned. So 
if the balance of information is false and misleading mm -hmm. uh, and you see stock rises and falls, we're going to be bringing cases against those companies. Um, if there's manipulation, stock goes up. There was one stock that went up, you know, 200 percent in one day, 1,000 percent in a week uh, on a very small movement. Those could be market manipulations by insiders or other investors that are trying to move the stock. That's the classic pump and dump. Right. This, these things are kind of hard to prove, aren't they? Because, I mean, what strikes me about a lot of the press releases these companies issue when they're changing their name to whatever blockchain, right. for instance, is that it's, they're sort of vague. They're saying, we're going to now make investments in blockchain technology. They're not promising anything. They're not going to say blockchain is our primary technology or blockchain is our primary product or anything like that. They're saying things like, we are we going may. to start looking we into could. right blockchain investment opportunities. You better be careful with what you say and how you're conducting your business. If you're really a pet company and, and a small percentage of your company is blockchain and you're using the name, that could be fraudulent. So, uh, there'll be, look, there are good companies, there's good places to invest in this space, but there are also the seedy people that are out there. I'm hearing about it. It's reminiscent of the dot-com boom and bust when anything internet uh, became a stock, a right. public offering, mm -hmm. and, and as we know, many of them failed and many of them were scams. So what should investors look for when they're looking at these stocks, right? So I look at Walmart and they say they're using blockchain to track pork prices in China. Does there actually have to be a use case or is it just good enough to say, if, if a company is just saying, hey, we're going to use blockchain for something, it, should investors look at that as a red flag? Uh, not necessarily. I'm talking about companies where they're touting their ability to market bi Bitcoin, be consultants, um, and maybe improve the process. Those are the companies you have to look at carefully. Now, investors are usually listening to brokers and, and pitches. It's important to do your own homework. Go to Edgar. Look at the SEC filing. If you right. get a prospectus on a new offering, Pick it up and read it. You don't have to read it cover to cover, but have some idea of what's going on. And if you don't understand it, pass on the investment. Try something else. I want to ask you about a case that we have been following here on this show very closely, and that is Riot Blockchain. This is a company that used to be known as Bioptics back in October. Right. Changed its name to Riot Blockchain. The stock soared. Um, more recently, uh, we find out that the CEO uh, sold almost 30,000 shares of his stock. It wasn't a pre-planned sale. Uh, made the filing Friday before New Year's Eve weekend. Still owns 12,500. And of course, the stock had soared, so he benefited from that uh, right. rise. This smells not right to the average person. But is that, for instance, a possible target Look, in your view? Um, insider selling is always a red flag. Um, uh, uh, we have to look at why this person sold. Um, like you say, if there was no prearranged uh, sale that was there, you have to look at why was he doing it? Was he trying to manipulate it? I can say this about the SEC. They've been going light on corporate America and uh, Wall Street in this new administration. They're going hard and heavy at the Bitcoin space. So I'm, I'm sure they're going to take a look at that. Are you? Uh, this particular one, I may well do it. Thanks for the tip. <laughs> wow. You should watch Fast Money. We're into this I'm stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things going on, and it's all on my radar screen. Yeah, but, I mean, it sounds like it's, it's almost blue sky when it comes to who you can go after. You can go after the companies themselves. You can go after the broker selling the stocks to the individual. I mean, 
there are many layers right. of fault, potentially, in your view. I'm looking at companies. I'm certainly looking at brokers. And now I'm going to be looking at investment banks that underwrite some of these deals. Right. They have responsibility. You, you, know, you can't just rely on what the company is saying. You have to do your own due diligence if you're an underwriter. So um, if I were an underwriter, I'd think long and hard and do a lot of due diligence before I do one of these deals because there could be tremendous exposure for a Wall Street underwriter. Jake, good to see you. Happy New Year. Jake Zemanski. Thank you. This is a big space for me this coming year. Yeah, keep us posted. Thank big you. space for us as well. What do you think? So uh, the o overarching message that I get is that regardless of the coin that you pick, blockchain is the technology that will be in existence here and, and thereafter. Mm -hmm. Overstock has the first SEC-compliant ICO. That's the way I'm playing it. Now, these guys are legitimate. They have Medici Ventures. So you can say whatever you want about their e-commerce business, but this is a real business. This is what I'm invested in. The one, th the one thing that, that Jake said that's very interesting, though, is that, that the administration, which has been relatively soft on corporate, takes this as something that they want to go aggressively against. And, and when you hear Putin say things that, that we really want to settle uh, transactions around the world with, with the ability to evade sanctions, um, it tells you why governments are involved here. I, I don't know that that has to derail anything. What I think we've always said here is a little regulation, especially from the SEC, protecting consumers' insecurities themselves is fantastic. And, and actually, that's what will make this market better. One last quick question to our crypto guru, and that is we see a crackdown on the companies and ICOs. Does that have any sort of negative halo effect? I don't know what the negative I, I mean, halo is on Bitcoin itself. Probably not. Okay. I mean, Bitcoin is a global currency, and it's you know subject to each local regulation. So I don't think it necessarily is probably a positive at this point, because we're starting to see professional institutional investors come into this market, and they want a clean, pure play. So I think I think this is a good thing, and I think it's good that there's people like Jake out there protecting others. Still ahead, Amazon's next target. Tech guru Gene Munster making a bold prediction right here on the show that Amazon could buy targets. But how likely is a deal between the two retail giants? We will explain. Plus, auto stocks have been in overdrive as SUV sales boom, but they could be about to hit a major speed bump. We've got all the details. Much more Fast Money right after this. I make a prediction here is that uh, in the next year, Target gets acquired by Amazon. And, by Amazon. Uh, by Amazon. And it really kind of puts together this duopoly, Walmart versus Amazon. That was Loop Ventures founder Gene Munster exactly a week ago on this show making that bold prediction that Amazon could buy Target this year. Now, Amazon's acquisition of Whole Foods in June of last year was proof that the e-commerce giant is interested in expanding their business to brick and mortar. So could Amazon actually be targeting Target next. And after having its best year ever for Prime with over 5 billion items shipped in 2017, does Amazon doesn't even need to buy Target? Grossly, you actually predicted this, made this call before. What do you think? I, I, I do think that they want this type of a footprint. They want it for whatever they want it for. They want to sell their goods. They want to cross-sell goods. But they also have a lot of overlap with Target. I think somebody that they don't have overlap with would be a better choice. I'm talking my own book here, J.C. Penney. They don't have the same client as targets. So there's an access to a totally different demographic if they buy this brick and mortar that doesn't exist with their, with their uh, existing clientele. But having said all that, that might be a pipe dream on my point. I, I think Target is the, is the most logical way to do it. It's either Kohl's or a Target. I flag Target early, so I'm going to stay with that.
Yeah. I think Target stands on itself on valuation. If you like what's going on at Walmart at the at close to 19 times forward earnings, you got to like what's going on at Target because, in my opinion, Target's just about 18 months behind where Walmart was when they started this whole thing with the jet deal. So I think Target makes sense. July 13th, they gave guidance. If you remember back then, I think it was trading 52 and a half, 53 dollars. Without, you know, a couple hiccups along the way, stock's been basically straight up, and I still think there's room on the upside. The Amazon thing is just sort of the cherry on top, but alone, I think Target works. Isn't there a tipping point when it comes to valuation? At some point, if Amazon buys too many yeah. brick-and-mortar stores, mm -hmm. doesn't they need to get deserve? valued like one? Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, the I PE becomes blended. I yes. think. Go ahead, Brian. Well, I mean, yes, except Amazon's been getting a pass, right? And the, and the market will value this and say, okay, you know what? They're expanding their footprint. They're able to have all these, they're going to look at all these Target stores or whatever it is, JCPenney, as a distribution center. So the market's going to say, oh, they don't have to do all that build-out anymore. Now they have all these distribution centers, and Amazon gets a pass once again. At some point, yes, of course, valuation matters. It just hasn't mattered for Amazon for a long time. It still won't matter, Tim? Last, last word. I, I think it matters. I'm not sure why they need Target. I'll say that. All right. Still ahead, America's love affair with SUV is giving GM a boost over the last year. The stock's surging 20%. We'll tell you how much higher it could go. Plus, Apple's iSorry tour continues uh. as the company drops the price for its replacement batteries. How much does it matter to investors? We will explain when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Auto stocks getting a boost last year, but they could be facing some speed bumps ahead. Phil Abos in Chicago with more on that story. Phil. And Melissa, mainly what people are going to be focused on in 2018, what happens with sales? They're expected to be down about 4 or 5%, not a huge drop, but also what happens in terms of profitability per vehicle. And part of what we're looking at is how the automakers, they've been doing this for some time, are wringing greater profits out of SUVs, pickups, crossover utility vehicles. That means moving away from small cars. No surprise when you look at this chart here, you see that small car sales, especially for the big three, look at the decline that they've seen through November of last year. No surprise here, especially as the market moves away from small cars and sedans. And here's the reason why. SUVs, crossovers, pickups, greater selection, better fuel efficiency. And really, there's no penalty at the pump right now if you're buying one of these larger vehicles. Fiat Chrysler, remember about nine years ago when they, they've always skewed heavier than their domestic competitors when it comes to trucks and SUVs, and people said, boy, you guys are really going to pay the price. Well, it has paid off. Take a look at shares take a look at shares of Fiat Chrysler in the last year. Now, some of this is also due to speculation that ultimately Sergio Marchione is going to make some kind of a deal and uh, investors will be rewarded. That's why you see that spike happening there in the uh, September time frame. But as you take a look at annual auto sales, which will be coming out tomorrow, keep in mind that while we may see a slowdown in the overall pace of sales this year, it's only going to be maybe in the 16.7, 16.8 million range Whereas this year, when we get the final number tomorrow, it's going to be around 17.2, maybe 17.23, Melissa. And that's one of the top five years ever in terms of auto sales, even though it's down compared to 2016. All right, Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau you in Chicago. Uh, did you fast pitch GM? I have. A while I, ago. Yeah, and, and it's a stock I continue to stay yeah. long even after this move. And, and if you read Citi's report in mid-December, I think it was, they point out that GM has the absolute lead in the robo-taxi, the EV, AV, robo-taxi market. So I think there's reasons to stay long GM that include it evolving. I'm actually short Fiat Chrysler. I mean, this stock, you know, is, is gone 
Um, I think ballistic. I'm also short Ferrari. I mean, I think there are places where the multiples in this space are valuation, just valuation. Well, Ferrari valuation makes no sense, and I realize people try to trade it in a different way, but yeah, it's valuation. But personally, you're long several Ferraris. Come on, Brian. Try not to talk about it. Modest man. It was a good year in the Seymour household. Humble man. Emerging markets. Auto Nation. That's BK's Mike Jackson. He that's talks right. to Mr. Jackson. Right. Follow. I mean, you gotta follow your, that. your barometer really yeah. exactly. And if you followed him on August 29th, we talked about it. They announced that out of the blue, seemingly, the $250 million stock repurchase on top of their existing one. Stock was in the low 40s then. It's in the low 50s now. Valuation is cheap, 12 times forward earnings. Got about an 18% short interest. So I think Auto Nation makes sense here. Tesla, I take it over all the other autos. I like Ford's chart. Better than GM, but Tesla is going to be seen as the tech tech growth play as it usually is. Not a strict auto. Is this for play. the long term or for a trade? Because we're going to get delivery numbers, I think, next weekend. So you, you asked me that when when the stock was trading at 307. Would you rather GM or Tesla? And I picked Tesla. Tesla traded up 10 percent. It's made a higher low now, so I'm going to pick Tesla again for longer term. All right, coming up. Apple surging today as the Nasdaq crosses 7,000 for the first time. And there's something in the chart that suggests an even bigger rally ahead. We'll break it down. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. It was a big day for tech with the Nasdaq closing above 7,000 for the first time ever with help from Apple soaring nearly 2%. This as the apology tour rolls on for the iPhone maker now offering $29 battery swaps a month ahead of schedule. The decision follows a number of class action lawsuits and growing backlash after Apple admitted to slowing the performance of its older iPhone models. The discounted batteries previously priced at $79 are available with no question for owners of the iPhone 6 or later until the end of 2018. But will the price cuts be enough for Apple to earn back the trust of its fan base? And from an investor standpoint, does that even matter, Guy? Well, and Guy, you in, can't take a flip phone into Apple, by the no. way, and try to get that replaced. Uh, you can't? No, you, you can't, can't take a, a clamshell. Yeah, I mean, you know. Can I go yeah. to the application store? Incumbent upon that, in that que- it would, embedded in that question is people distrust Apple. Now, they don't. When I was in college, quick, and I'm a digress, there was this guy who used to treat people miserably, but he was really good looking, so the girls would, WC oh, Fields. he's so cute. <laughs> it didn't matter what he did. What's my point? Apple's the same way. Everybody, no matter what Apple does, everybody loves Apple. It's not going to hurt the was stock. Apple's like the cute guy. hundred percent. The cute guy who treats women badly. Exactly and what, right. was it, what was his name? Was it Can't maybe say. God? Was it Tim? That would be another guy on the desk that watches Silly blue eyes. Silly blue eyes. I said I'm I resent the comparison. But, you know, nonetheless, I was a very nice guy in college. Yeah, well, You're a very nice guy now, Tim. Thank you. I didn't know you in college. But when it comes to Apple and the battery problem, does this matter? But if Embedded is that it's people always thought that Apple slowed the phones 100%. down. I, I think people actually, from the scuttlebutt I hear from people is that they're pretty excited to go down there and get a new battery for 29 bucks and feel like it's actually a windfall for them. So, oh, so um, if, if anything, this. again, this this gets into that whole argument why Apple should trade with a much better multiple, not as a hardware company, but in the services space. I spent 179 bucks just to replace my screen. I mean, you know, I cracked my, my 7S and went in What's there. What's the average boom. crack yeah. rate for I mean, you? I, I crack about four a year. Huh? That's why Once I get that quarter. new one. That new one Once you can't crack. quarterly crack. All right. Um, well, one trader's betting Apple's due, Apple's due for a big rally. Let's go out to Mike Coe in sunny but chilly Tampa, Florida. Hi, Mike. Hi there. Yeah, so we did see call options volume outpacing puts by about 2 to 1 earlier today. 
And where we saw a lot of that activity was actually the Jan 12, 170 strike calls. And we saw about 2,000 of those trade as a block for $2.50. So that was an institutional trader making a bullish bet that the stock's going to be above 172.5 by a week from Friday. And I would say also that the lion's share of the options volume was in short dated paper that expires before earnings. So it seems like most, most of the options volume right now is focused more on this immediate story than really on uh, the upcoming earnings. All right, Mike, thanks for that. Mike Coe in uh, Tampa, Florida for us. Um, for more options action, you can check out the full show. That's Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up next, the first final trade of 2018. trade, Tim Seymour. Yes, a U.S. cement company from Mexico, Semex, for the resources trade. BK, Brian Kelly. Uh, I still think Walmart's a good buy here. The Netflix, I mean, I'm sorry, the Amazon Target validates the strategy. Steve Grasso. Valiant, VRX. I bought it at around $12. I was playing it for $30. I think it's going there. What'd you think of that Georgia-Oklahoma game last night? It's an unbelievable, unbelievable college football. SEC dominates. Such a great College football at its best, it. except for the Alabama-Clemson. Oh, yeah, well the Clemson. Yeah. What do you mean? Who won? So there, Who won? Alabama trounced Clemson. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Go to break. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mad Money starts right now. Roll fast. Wow.